when you're looking for something, maybe your keys, obviously your phone, you have to have that wherever you go. Maybe a book. And you look through the house and you think, where did, where did I use that last? How? And then you find it. And of course, it's in the very last place you look, <laughs> obviously. Because there it is. Maybe your keys, maybe they're hanging where they're supposed to be, or that book is in the bookshelf, or your phone is in a pocket, the pants you wore yesterday or something. And so you make the effort to find uh, the object that you've misplaced. In our history, something very, very valuable was misplaced. Something was lost. And of course, if it's lost, then you're not using it. And if you're not using it, then you don't benefit from it. And this particular item wasn't just an ordinary item. It was a book, but it was more than a book. It was God's word. God's word was misplaced. And it went out of fashion. It was not used. And an entire nation stopped using God's word. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> it's happened. It's happened before and it'll happen again. And sadly, we suffer the same consequence. But in our history, there was a time when this great book, the book of God's word, was relocated. It was during a renovation project. Maybe they were all at home working from home. <laughs> Maybe they had lots of time on their hands and they, they, they decided to clean out the attic or clean out the space that was around them. And one of, the, one of the guys said, hey, I uh, found this book. And he took it to the king. And this king, he's a 26-year-old king. And he says, is this God's word? And they began to read it. And this book that had gone out of fashion, this book that had been lost, this book that had been misplaced and was no longer being used and the benefits weren't being applied to the nation, the king when he had read the words of this book, tore his clothes in an act of, of repentance, in an act of grief. And he couldn't believe that his nation, the one that he was ruling over, had turned its back on the very word of God. In 2 Kings chapter 22, this king, his name is Josiah, one of the good kings of uh, the northern kingdom, uh, excuse me, the southern kingdom. There were no good kings in the northern kingdom. But this particular king, possibly the best one, uh, depending on uh, how you read uh, the scripture. But he inquires of the Lord and he asks, what should we do? Is there anything we can do to correct this mistake? Is there anything we can do? And his heart because he was looking for the words of God, because he was looking for God, and he found him in this great book. Here's what this king did. Let me just read it for you. Second Kings chapter 22, in verse 19. He tore his clothes, of course, in an act of, of grief, and he humbled his heart, and his heart became tender, and he heard the words of the Lord, and he returned to the Lord. And what it, what it says, God heard him. Now, it's interesting when we look at 
the response from this king, this young man, 26 years old. He had become king much earlier in his life. It's a very interesting story. If you go back and read this particular account, his father Amnon uh, had succeeded Manasseh, his grandfather, and then uh, Josiah uh, succeeds Amnon. And, and here he is, he's eight years old when he becomes king, eight. I can remember what I was doing when I was eight, but it wasn't ruling a country. <laughs> here he, he begins his rule, and, and some 18 years later, this book is found. And because his heart was tender, because his heart was humble, because he pledged to obey and listen to the words of God and do what was instructed, and not only him, but as a nation, they return, return to God. God says, I'll, I'll hear you. Because the scripture plainly says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will surely find me. That's Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. And so when we look for God, we have to do so in one of two ways. Uh, one way is in the natural order of things. You can find God in, in how plants grow and how birds fly and, and how the body is put together and how all the different uh, interactions with the planets and the solar system and the universe. Okay, that's the natural order. Obviously, there's design there. And if there's design, there's a designer. Uh, but we have to look a little deeper. God says, I want you to look for me, and I want you to look for me in a particular book. It's not just any book. It's not one that uh, uh, is easily forgotten. It's not one that you should put on a shelf and ignore. It's, it's the living word of God. And this young king, when he's 26, he finds this book, and he and his entire nation returns to the Lord and begins obeying what is written there. Obviously, during the reign of Josiah, the nation of Israel was blessed. He made a, a, a series of reforms. He basically rebuilt the country based on what God had said. And because of that, the country, the nation, was blessed. Now, I wonder if we could learn anything from that episode in our history. I wonder if, as a nation, we could return to God. We could put him back in places we've taken him out of. We could put them back in our court system. Uh, we could put them back in our school system. We could put them back uh, where he belongs in his proper place. If we put him back there, if we begin to listen to God and listen to his word, imagine the blessings that would flow from God himself. Just imagine what that would be like. You see, God has given us vital information, eternal information. And like Josiah, Possibly what needs to happen, and not possibly, but definitely what needs to happen, is we need to humble our hearts. We need to recognize our sin. We need to understand where we stand in the presence of God and repent and then begin listening again and obeying. You see, we learn so many things about God from the Bible. Oh, sure, you can find that there is a God by the nature, by all the natural laws, but that's not quite enough information. God says, I know, and so I've revealed my will to you in a special book. Oh, you may have had a very special Bible when you were growing up. Maybe it's set on top of the television. Maybe it's set on the, on the coffee table. Maybe it was in a bookcase. But have you opened it? Have you 
begun looking for God again in his word? Have you come to the realization that maybe metaphorically you could tear your clothes in an act of grief that you haven't been listening to God's word? You haven't been obeying the things that are there? And like this young king when he's 26, he said, I've got to change things. And it starts with me. And because of my leadership, it's going to affect the nation. Think about that for just a moment and think about how important it is to learn about God by reading his words, by looking into this book and this great book and studying more about him. You see, in prayer, we talk to God, but in the Bible, God talks to us. The question is, are we listening? (laughs) There's a song we sing in in, uh, services and worship services. I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening. Yes, we should be somewhere listening. We should be listening to God's word. We should be somewhere, everywhere, listening to God's word. The psalmist would say in the very first psalm, how blessed the man is who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the, in the seat of scoffers. He doesn't sit with those who mock God. He, he is planted firmly by the water, by the living water, and he meditates on God's word night and day. How do you meditate on something you've never read? How do you meditate on something you've never listened to? The, the beauty of our system or, or in our technology today is you have it on your phone and, and someone has, has read it and recorded that reading and you can have God's word read to you just by picking up your phone. That becomes a beautiful thing that we have available to us. In Isaiah chapter 35 and verse 16, it says, Seek from the book of the Lord and read. Yes, that's a vital thing. Seek from the book of the Lord and read. Haven't you read, Jesus would say? Haven't you looked into God's word? Haven't you? That's quite a condemning question. Sadly, many of us haven't read. And it becomes apparent when we begin speaking about God's word. There's people that teach God's word that I think, I don't think they've read it. (laughs) You're kidding me, right? You haven't read that? You see, God's written something down for us and had something written down for us via the Holy Spirit and how he inspired individuals to write. And he said, I want you to know this about me. I want you to know what's good, what's evil. I want you to know what's right, what's wrong. I want you to be holy because I'm holy. And he says, I want you to do the things that you read about. I want you to do this because this will be pleasing to me. Now, the question is, what do we need to read? That's a pretty good question. Well, we look to the scripture and we start to say, hmm, what part of this is important? Is it all important? Hmm. Scripture gives us the, the answers to that question. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Paul writes to a young preacher. The old preacher Paul writes to the young preacher Timothy. And he says to Timothy, he says, all scripture is the very breath of God. 
It's inspired by God. There was a sitcom years ago that became very popular. And they, uh, it was a show about nothing. <laughs> and one of the shows, I remember it, was the different way people, uh, different ways people talk to you. And one of them, one of the groups of people were the close talkers. <laughs> you ever known a close talker? They get right up in your face. They invade your personal space. Now, in our era, because of uh, the pandemic and the scare, we've masked up and we're no longer, uh, we can't get within six feet. But these close talkers would get right up in your face and you could, you could smell their breath. You would you feel the moisture from their lips and their tongue as they're talking, kind of, it would sort of spray on you. It's like you're kind of backing up going, seriously, you're way too close. That's this idea of inspiration. It's the breath of God. Oh, yeah, he's right up in your face. <laughs> he wants your attention. He, it's like that coach that grabs you by the face mask and, and you're trying to play football and he says, get your head in the game. He grabs your helmet and he says, I want your attention. Get your head in the game. But in this passage, in, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, he says, all scripture is inspired. God's breath, the very breath of God, all of it is inspired. And it's profitable. It will provide something that's beneficial to you. Here's what it's beneficial for. Here's, here's the profit that gives or that comes from the word of God, the very breath of God. It makes you realize what's wrong and what's right. He'll say it's for teaching. Wait a second. Teaching? If it's profitable for teaching, what is the word of God trying to teach me? Well, maybe another word that you're familiar with in religious circles is the word doctrine. Yes, the Bible can teach doctrine. Jesus would tell us, go into all the world and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. What is that? That's the doctrine. That's the very basis, the foundation of Christianity. Where does it come from? Is it whatever I think? Yes. How do I feel about it? What do I like? What do I dislike? No, it has nothing to do with that. Here's what God said. That's what it's meant to mean. He says, this is profitable for teaching and it's profitable for reproof. Now, we don't use that word. I don't know if I've ever used the word reproof in an English sentence to anyone else, but here it is in scripture. It's profitable. God's word is profitable for teaching and reproof. What are we talking about here? Well, the Holy Spirit was given a directive. God says, I've got this plan. Jesus says, I'll work this plan. The Holy Spirit says, I'll document the plan. I'll write it all down. I'll get it all written down. I'll use men and I'll, I'll put this information in a printed form and it'll never change. Perfect. The Holy Spirit did this and he says, I've done this for a particular reason. I want people to understand and be convicted of their sin. Hmm. Now it's getting personal. Yeah. You ever heard somebody say, don't judge me? Don't judge me. 
<laughs> the scripture says, that's what it's designed for, to judge you. Mm, we don't like that. We don't like the sound of that. Oh, no. Anything but that. Oh, it's designed to convict. You see what happens when we look at the scripture and we're looking for God. We're, we're searching for him and we're told we'll find him. He says, it's going to hurt. You're going to be convicted of your sin. You're going to recognize your failures because you're looking into the perfect will of God, the perfect book. And it exposes you for what you are. Sinner. Oh, yeah, I said it. <laughs> Romans 3.23 says, all sin falling short of the glory of God. Yep. You need to be convicted of your sin. Why is that necessary? Because then once I'm convicted of my sin, then I can look to God and say, please save me. Remember what they said? They interrupted the first preacher, that, that preacher on the day of Pentecost, Peter, and they said, what must we do to be saved? They were convicted. The Holy Spirit had done his job. The Holy Spirit had done his job, and he said, I'm here to reprove you. I'm here to convict you of your sin. Not only that. It says the word of God is capable and able to set you the right place. Correction. You ever broke your leg? What does the doctor do? Well, it's, it hurts. <laughs> the doctor looks at the, the angle of the leg. He looks and he says, okay, I'm going to set the bone. Oh. It hurt when it broke and now it's going to hurt again. He's going to yank on that thing and he's going to get it to where it looks right. <laughs> and then the bone does an amazing thing because of God's wonderful design. The bone heals itself which is fascinating. Imagine if a house was like that, if, if a broken timber in a house could just heal itself. Well, in our house, the body, God's designed us to heal. It's like, huh. And so that's this idea in a spiritual sense. It's, it's there, it's profitable for correction, to set right again. And he goes on to say, training in righteousness. You know how to get good at something? Practice, practice, practice. You want to be good at being holy? God has that requirement. He says, be holy <laughs> because I'm holy. Ooh, he set the bar pretty high, didn't he? <laughs> yep. He says, I'm holy. I want you up here. Okay. So how do you do it? Well, it's training. Those individuals who run a marathon for some unknown reason, they'll run for 26 miles. Like, what are you doing? I can get in a Jeep. I can drive 26 miles, but I'm certainly not going to run. But they do. They run for 26 miles. Well, how do they do it? Well, they start by running a mile, then two, then three, then four. What are they doing? They're training. God says, I've given you a book, and it's there, and it's used and useful for training in righteousness. Wow. So if you're looking for God, look for him in his book. This book was written by 40 different men. 
on several continents over a period of about 1,600 years. Wow. <laughs> Three different languages, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, ever studied any of those languages? <laughs> and all of it points to one thing, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, all of it. You get the big picture and you say, there's a reason for all of this, all this writing. Yep. I want you to know me. That's God talking. When you're looking for God, go to his book. Go to the Bible. We've coined the phrase and even printed it, Holy Bible. Yep. Go to the Holy Bible. He wants us to read our Bible. He wants us to study our Bible. He wants us because he wants a relationship with us. And it's like those individuals that Paul went and preached to. He was on his way to Thessalonica, but he, he had a layover in Berea. And these were interesting individuals, these Bereans. They were noble-minded. They were open-minded. They searched the scriptures daily. You know how to tell if a preacher is telling the truth? You know how to tell? It's not the clothes he's wearing. It's not his haircut. It's not his accent. It's not even his nationality. You tell by examining what he says and comparing it to God's word. <laughs> That's how you tell. God has set the standard of truth. Preachers are just declaring the truth of God. That's what they should be doing. And if you are listening to a preacher that's not, then stop listening to him or her. <laughs> but it's interesting, these Bereans. So maybe the question comes to you and you say, okay, I remember the story. I've been told a story about this young king and he found the book and he read the book and he was very humble and his heart was was broken because he hadn't been following it. He began reading it and he began obeying it. Okay, where do I begin? Well, that's a good question. How do I start in this big old book? You know, I know people that will just take their Bible and go, and they'll read and they'll say, hmm, don't understand that. And then they try again. I don't understand that either. And what do they do? They shelve it and never open it again. Don't be like that. Nobody reads a book like that. Nobody. You'd never read Agatha Christie like that. You'd never read another book like that, ever. So where do you start? Well, the Bible is divided in, in two big segments. One's the Old Testament. One's the New Testament. Most don't know the difference. But the Old Testament was written to a specific group of people, the Jewish people, and for a specific time, a specific reason. The, the reason was to lead us to Christ. That's really the basic idea uh, of the Old Testament. It was like a, a teacher, a tutor. Take you by the hand and take you where you need to be. God says, I know where you need to be. It's with my son, Jesus Christ. Okay. So the Old Testament brings us to the New Testament, and the New Testament begins to unfold the story of this individual that we need to attach ourselves to. Ah, now we're getting somewhere. So if I was going to say, give you a suggestion on where to start, 
why don't you start by reading the Gospels? In the New Testament, these Gospels are named Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you can pick one. There's going to be a repeat of several stories in those four books. And it's a compilation of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ while he's on earth as man. Matthew is going to talk to the Jewish people, and he's going to talk to the, the, the mindset that remembers all the Old Testament prophecies. If, if Old Testament is confusing to you, maybe you want to start with the book of Mark. Mark doesn't go into all the detail of, of prophecy. He's talking to a different crowd. He's talking to a, a group of people, kind of like people in the United States. He's like, these are Romans. They want to know, give me the facts and don't elaborate. Just give it to me. The, the nuts and bolts, all right? So Mark's the shortest book. Maybe you want to start with that one. Luke, great physician. He's a doctor in the first century. Maybe maybe you're a nurse or a caregiver, and maybe that will appeal to you. Yeah, okay, Luke's a good one for that. He's going to talk to the, the people in, in, a, in a Greco or a Greek mindset. All right. John, my personal favorite, really is a kind of a universal gospel. And he's like, I'm going to tell it like it is. Here's an old man looking back over history, and he's going to say, this is how I remember it. This is the information I remember. I'm going to give you, here's seven great reasons to follow Jesus. There's seven signs in the book of John. It says, these signs are designed to get you to believe that Jesus is the Christ. But you can begin anywhere there in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Maybe, maybe it is book of Matthew, 28 chapters. Get after and start reading about our Lord, Jesus Christ. That's good. Start. But the trick, the key to success is start. <laughs> you want to you wanna know God? You want to find God? Start. And don't just take my word for it. Don't just take some preacher's word for it. Don't just take your parents' word for it if they, if they ever read it to you. You read it yourself. You ever watch the news? You ever watch a, 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 some sort of uh, announcement, maybe from some official, and you're watching it and you listen, and then the news comes on half an hour later and they tell you what he said? <laughs> it's like, I don't remember that. What's that? And so sometimes it's lost in translation, you know, between who heard it and who's telling you. Maybe at least think about that with God's word. Go read it yourself. Begin, and then, while you're listening, begin asking the question, what must I do? Is there any activity that I can do to please God? All right. There are great lessons that we can learn in the Old Testament. Don't just toss it aside. You need to know some information about the Old Testament. But at the very beginning, begin with Christ. Begin with who he is and what he's capable of and why you should follow him. Ask those questions as you're reading. And as you search for God, God says, I'll reveal myself to you. He says, I want a relationship with you. And when you look for me, you'll find me. And one of the best places to look is in his word. Start today and then continue 
every day. And the Lord will bless you.